Welcome to Ms. Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a show about all things poetry. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Pays Perdu by Jean Garrigue. There are those days, vivid and pure, when everything dazzles newfound. It is on days like these that we understand Eden, old worlds of the golden hours. What is it? It is vigor, freshness, a sense of the flags of day flying free. It is commodious harmony. We have fallen into some deepest relation with self, the sense, and the world, being at rest strenuously, for all has form, moves with vivacious fluidity. Then nothing that seems extraneous from the voices of bells caught, parted, and cast away to the blazings of twenty butterflies bemused by a stalk of blue flowers. As if we had composed the day with a slumbering unseen at the back of the mind, and we neither faint nor pale, when we are happy we have other names. So it was on that day in the country when my friend and I sat large in a town fortified in its rock above a green river, a champing and nervous force that had cut whole landscapes in two in its glacier course, started out at the height of noon on the broad footpath by the river, past gardens of garlic and artichoke and groves of olive established in tears. It was in Provence and by the Var in a country of vineyards and lizards and the fragrance of many rough herbs in bloom, St. John's Eve almost and yet not come the perfect summer essence of the year. Now, as we were along the way, we stopped to talk to a passerby, proud to dispense the lore of the country, a stranger herself, who spoke of a village far down the way by the river and of another far up in the mountains, hard if not impossible to find, from which donkeys came down twice a week, there being no road but a donkey track, and this track its only link with the world. She herself had seen neither one, but she liked to think of them lurking at the end of some straggling path. So did we, and following her vague suggestion that the one called Lax up in the mountains was somewhere down and then up, set out, larky and confident. This much we knew, that in an old country that holds many bones, where life has been hard, where much dust of the nightingale is mixed with the dust of poppies and the stubborn roots of valerian and all the medicinal sages, that in an old country crossed by centuries of animals and men, there are many paths possible to take. Foxes and dogs made them first. Horses and donkeys succeeded. Then the paths were secured, steps were cut out, walls were erected. An old country is crisscrossed with paths, shortcuts to the crest of a mountain. Look at some track up the terraces where the olive trees doze, and you ought to know it is going somewhere. Two. And of the three-hour walk in the blaze of day up the snail-spiraling way of the rough country, scrub oak and stone, and the three vertigos when the path fell sheer by the cliffside straight to the river, and there was white limestone dust and the chalky glare blinding and the heat, till we cooked and knew the beginnings of thirst and were lost, or deceived by a choice of paths, so retraced our steps to a farm where the goat-faced owner who had been asleep shouted down from the upper story window after his dogs had barked themselves hoarse that if we wanted to visit a pays perdu, take the fork back there to the left. 
and of the way up by hawk's beak and claw, by rock horn and fang and skull, by the death's head grin of the spurred headlands as the path twisted inland, broad enough at times for two donkeys, but losing us in the basil and margoline and long ceased the groves of the flickering olive, the derelict houses and storing sheds, as we climbed on past a pine wood, the sun glinting on its tufts and its cones and blanching the rock formations, and into what we were going, leaving the river, that broad boulevard, that viable thread, to go back and into the crowded interior, crowded, that is, with trees and more rock and many small mountains that engendered, for all that we knew, cockatrices, and at one turning in a medley of rubble, meeting a child, a little girl, carrying a basket that had a cloth cover, who was so startled on seeing us and hearing us speak that we thought her a mute, she taking so long to answer, and then in a voice as if rusty from long disuse. This, the first stage, after that, more declivities, more mournful ostentation of rock as we climbed a new thirst and passed through more deadlands, meeting the sense of the torture of time. History is time, and it assailed us, the sight of those signs of that static tempest that had once pressed forth those needles of stone that once again met us, and the swirled, watermarked, rippled, bad rock effects across yet another harsh breach in the earth's crust cut by the var's ravening tributary. And if music is the energy of time, immensely loading some quarter hour with the compressed violence of meanings too numerous, shades too elusive, striving against the iron gates, and in one crazed hurl achieving the leap, so the ever-continuing variations of new fantasies of rock made us laggard. Impressed us? Pressed on, oppressed us. Ejaculations of rock pipes with crumbling flutings, purchased for birds or stylites, grotesque and badly botched Byzantine pillars, and our weak shoes half in ribbons from so much pulverizing by pebbles. And we streaked with sweat, and the taste of much dryness, grown over by land by what we had seen, bruised by the stones white with dust and pollen, burnt by the sun in a mirth of the incurable singing of the nightingale. For we had spied on the bird in a round bush, though that was below, near the river. Up here in the miles inland, bees followed us, but not that Greek thrush. Here it was birdless, wildness and waste, and the disintegrating black skist, porphyry headlands beetling and angled, and then by a turn, roofs, and our druth drank of the cordial, for here would be deuce water, casks of it, vats, and we dreamed up the cafe, for what town was it without one, where we would sit, steeped in mineral water, citron fraisse, and after that, cafe, before we begin on water again. But as a mountain is never the same when you are traveling toward it, presenting at each turn another view of its one hundred faces, and a space itself is as deceiving, so we lost that prospect. Another turning swallowed it up. We jogged on, thinking of donkeys. And what kind of people were these who lived so far inland? And who could ever take over these mountains? Dense earth resisted. Hail to its lordship that would thrust us out of its holdings. Nor by more turnings did the roof swim back, although we came to a bridge where the path broadened into a road. Now the sky was staring with a sudden stark blue over the flank of a new mountain and two or three paths coiled before us. All was less wild. We had modulated into what might have been at one time subdued by the plough, though forgotten by now, a table of land half pasture. And we went this way and that, attempting to skirt the shape of the land, 
Was it a mirage? We half joked. Had our thirst started up a fever so soon? Was it an hour ago we had seen the tip-tilting roofs? And to what had they gone? Then suddenly a wheat field and a gully of stones and a sharp hill, of which we stumbled into storm blue, the sky full of violent crazed blue, and a wind rolling in the trees by a haycock shaped like a loaf of bread, and truly the roofs and surely the water. And we running now across the shorn field till we came to the first faces of houses, the field rose up to their windows and the shutters on them were closed, and the silence could not be more unstirred until we called out, and black and white doves started up with a creak of wings, and we called again. But where were the people? Was it inhabited by black and white doves or pigeons? Three. And we went around a corner, if you can call it that, between one house with its roof fallen in, and one whole one, and into a courtyard with lime trees in bloom, and three or four houses across the way, and saw a woman wearing a man's peaked hat and a man's shoes, running with a pack of hay on her back and a woman in a big straw hat and three dogs that came at us snarling. And as the wind buffeted the lime trees and the crazed blue grew stalwart, we saw this was the town. But there was the water running from a pipe's mouth into a tub. What a stir! For if we were apparitions to them, they were not less to us. And the dogs barking for all they were worth till a man called them off, and one who had been willing to hurl himself at our throats now wagging his tail as we explained how long we had been walking and thirst and he pointed triumphantly to what they had an abundance of then we rather crazy there at the tub filling our hands with water and my friend lying prone and drinking from the pipe's mouth while bundles of hay kept flying past us on the backs of the man and woman and the one in a straw hat calling out in a language we had never heard to which was added the delirium of birds just before rain Swallows springing out of nowhere to shriek and to skirl and a swooping by of pigeons while a battery of crows cawed. And as the storm sky humped down, I running out in the unearthly blue to the other side of the town, which was likewise a field that stretched off to a mountain, but more, much more. Where I stood was before the very birth of a chaos of definable forms. So here they were, put down in a lull, the last lull between peaks, since to the back or the north stretched that beginning of the 1,000 wrinkled circus tent tops, till the rain came down in a blithe bluster of spears, and the air was so freshened with the breath of all that seems good that the rain froze, and we were peppered with a fine shot of hail and took refuge under a shed until the man who had been carrying hay asked us into his house. And we saw going in a bright blue post box at the side of his door, and we went into the first black room filled with blossoms of the lime tree and gunny sacks and loose on the floor and on the table and into the kitchen with an iron stove and scraps in a pan on the floor for a dog. And the woman in the peaked hat was there with eyes that ate up her face, nodding to us and smiling, but sitting away where we could not see her. Sitting away in a corner like a bird mewed up and her husband eager to do the talking with the stub of a burnt out cigarette in the corner of his mouth like a sore, slight and not young his beret jammed tight to his head. And he wanted to know just how we had happened to come because where they were, few did. And was it true that the donkeys went down twice a week or more, we asked? About that, he was vague. Yes, he had donkeys, and when the wheat was cut, we understood then that truly at times the donkeys went down with produce and returned with provisions. And we heard of the postman who came twice a week, five miles by the ravines and the gorges, because there was a post box and it was the law whether there was mail or not. 
and of a teacher who also came twice a week for the one child left, so they were not forgotten. He voted, and they had gone to war. Two families left now, and one child, and Lax had been named for a lake that had disappeared so long ago not even his father's grandfather had seen it, and this house almost as old. They had had sheep till the shepherd had left, and years ago there had been hundreds of sheep, that is, with their shepherds, up from the valley to stay the whole summer. In his father's day there had been horse roads now grown over, and the houses for lizards. He was quick and gentle in the way he spoke, wearing a cigarette that would not stay lit, steadfastly refusing our own. No animal earth spirit weathered and contrary, but equable, civil. We felt that it pleased him to talk, especially of the heroical postman and the thistle hearts that his mother cooked for the good that it did them, like that herb that she swore if you put in your shoe you could walk miles and never get tired. But he used to walk to the valley half the nights of the week. Youth was his herb. And of what else we talked about as the lime blossoms trembled in the next room where a wild bee stumbled and throbbed, of the grass fire that made the bees leave when they kept bees, and bees won't come back to a place that's burned, and the mushrooms and snails that came after rain. And one time, long after midnight, the chapel bell rang and rang, and whether the wind or an animal rang it for the rope had worked loose, they never knew. And the strange lack stirred for us as the lime blossoms trembled in the next room when he peopled the sides of the hill, had carts jolting by that took wheat to a mill, humors of barnyards, the Galois cock crowing, goats with their nittering voices, vigors and motion and all the desires we connect with action before the roofs fell and the field mice came in. And how is it, we wanted to say, as you gathered the lime flowers to store to sell, though it takes the whole heart. Do you labor so close to the nerve and burn of the great stars in the stillness that is as strong as sound? Well, he told of the fete just at this time of year, of John the Baptist when a handful of men would go into the mountains to a desert there and stay for two nights fasting and praying. And on the night they came back, everyone going to meet them with flutes and fifes and the moaning procession. And yes, there was a chapel just over the mountain. And what the woman spoke who wore the straw hat was Provençal. And the rain had long since stopped and it was time to go. And he would not accept our cigarettes, so there was the thought we would send him a postcard of nothing else for the sake of the postman. And we said our farewells and his wife smiled back with that look not to be pitied nor understood. And out into Lax again, we saw what we had not seen before. Two houses stood sound and whole the rest toppling like hollyhocks or topless with a tree gushing from a door. We saw how secluded and secret, how inward a crumbling thing looks, the eyeless ruins or the three-cornered ones, time not running away as in music, nor the instant lit up with energy but grinding and pulverizing with the idiot's patience, the rock foundations. And it would not be stopped. It would be as the wind and weather would have it, it would go down to the soundless procession of the rash bugles of morning glory. And what can we do, said my friend? Can we send them something, a gift? They have given up. They are dying. They are going down with the place. And this, she waved her hand, for we were passing the fields again and the same big birds beating up, makes them indifferent. They are too much lulled by the lull in the mountains and the fields swelling to the horns of green hills could not be more beautiful nor the quality of the way it lay in between old hills and young mountains could not be met again, nor the quality of the silence that we would have in our ears for days. And we passed the haycock and found the path leaving that phantasmal space, as if drawn for the soul to dream in, for which 
Once we left it, there could be no maps. Payee perdu, said the goat-faced man, and lax also meant a snare made with strings to catch birds with, as we understood. Oh, terror and beauty. And who was to say that their souls were held in the space here in between mountains, as the thyme and the rosemary perfumed the shadows that the great bodies cast down from their crowns? And who was to speak of mountain flowers that can blossom only after snow and deep frost, their colors intensified by the rare air, resisting the aridity, the cold nights, the poverty of soil, indeed, these very deprivations, that struggle being necessary for their perfection of a few days. It was not to say this in the great light and the forms aloof over the serenity of ruins. And we took the long way down, loping along it easily in the cool of the day, not tormented by thirst, as the small perfumes of earth began to be freed, the dry, shod, ferny gusts and shawls of blue shadow cast on the pale green of dented slopes, whole peaks in shadow and whole landscapes in cloud, those intricate thoughts, those elaborate emotions, where, at the converging of four peaks, a cloud makes a fifth. You've been listening to Miss Lyric's Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians.